Welcome to the Carmen Murray Show, where we have conversations about 21st century business and culture. Knowing that the entrepreneurial journey is one of the toughest, loneliest, and most tumultuous of all, together we'll explore how successful entrepreneurs have overcome similar obstacles. The recipe to success is to work on your business, not just in your business. Plan for success. And now, from the Solid Gold Studios, let's stand on the shoulders of giants to see further. Hey, 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 welcome to the Future Fit Tribe. And you are sitting here with me and Matt Brown as we are going to unpack the entrepreneurial journey of this incredible um, entrepreneur. And I am super excited. Welcome. Thanks, Carmen. Now you're in my den for the first time. I know. I'm always in your den for some I reason. I know, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I have your book here and I, and I must say, um, I'm super proud of you. I don't know in your schedule by having a podcast, running a business, running staff, doing client projects and having time to write a book and planning some big things that you're probably going to tell us about how you manage to do this. And you did it in two months. Uh, yeah, about that. What was the worst part of the journey for you? In terms of the book? Yeah. Basically trying to find my own voice. Yeah, I mean, like I penned the deal and then nine months later, my Tracy, I don't know if you know, but mm. Tracy McDonald basically phoned me and said, where's the book? And I hadn't even started anything. Uh, and basically for that nine months, I was trying to figure out, well, what exactly do I want to write about? So, you know, like I've written countless articles about business and strategy and innovation and, you know, disruption and all this kind of cool tech stuff. But then when you try and put your own story into something, you know, it's you're kind of uh, trapped like the words in those in that book there is uh, I'm trapped in that forever it's not like a video or a podcast that you can you know kind of a podcast is actually quite similar in the sense that you you're trapped by your own words you say things and yeah. who knows when someone might you know pick something up that you said and disagree with like I take shit in social media I have taken a lot of shit in social media for some things that I've said but fuck them um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but a book is another thing like in 10 years time will we'll, well, I have become someone else. Mm. And when I look back and read this particular book, what will it say about me? Would it, will it still be authentic? You know what I mean? And, mm. and the book, I mean, I, I've interviewed, you know, international bestsellers from all around the world. And, and I actually phoned Tom A. Sacker and various others. And I said, listen, you know, you've had hits. Talk to me about the failures. Because, you know, you, Tom wrote five books. And I think you read more than that, actually. But anyway, five of them were bestsellers. And I said, well, what made those bestsellers versus something that, you know, was okay? And he said, well, every time I wrote a, a book that I, about something I thought the market wanted, in other words, it was, out from, it was about something outside of him, mm. um, it always failed. So his advice to me was, you know, find what it is that it makes you different. Um, and so that, that was a real hard time you know it was it was like you, you you kind of and the other thing also to say it's it's imposter syndrome so mm. it's like you know i'm not really worthy of this mantle of of being an author and now it's number it went to number one on amazon bestsellers list in three categories so now that's stuck with me 
you know, so I'm, I'm proud of that, but I don't, I don't let that define me. Do you understand? Mm. So it's always about the next step. It's never about, well, you know, you've now done it and that's that. But, but certainly it's about finding something that's authentic and different. You know, mm. there's loads of books about innovation and strategy and business and how to scale and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But there's, there's very little, I would say, relevant to entrepreneurs where it involves what's inside of you. Mm. Um, and, and that was the, that was the challenge. And, and fortunately I had the privilege of interviewing some people who have just done amazing things and overcome incredible hardships that, you know, God forbid I never have to experience in my life. And we can get into the, some of that stuff when the chips kind of fell over on that point and it was like, well, geez, you know, what about this and this and this and oh, okay, there it is. And then suddenly the idea was there. And then that's once you have the idea, the words just flow because then it's congruent, it's congruent with what you're actually about um, and what your, you know, your authentic true story is. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of that book is, is stuff that I've never told anyone. Um, some things I've, I've had to come to terms with myself even, you know, like, well, that actually happened. You know, why was that? Why did I, you know, kind of check out for the better part of a decade you know, because I failed. Hang on. So, you know, what are what are some of those those things that you had to deal with? Uh, one was my, coming to terms with myself. You know, uh, and and recognizing that you are worthy of you know having a place mm. in the best bookstores in the world. And you know, a lot of people they they wrestle with that, or they find that they you know, they, they suffer either from this thing called imposter syndrome, which is very well documented, scientifically proven, you know, like all famous people have it. Uh, I said not all, but a lot of them do. Uh, Chris Martin, Coldplay, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's hard to, to write about yourself because for me, at least, it was about the sphere of judgment. You know, it's like, well, uh, Matt Brown did this when he was 26, you know, sold his first record label, but then the next thing completely bombed, you know. Uh, and writing about the truth, you know, and so it's right there in, in kind of like black and white for myself to see. And the other thing also, I got like two young kids, you know, when they're old enough one day, they're going to read that and then that they're going to see my story. Um, and I'll never be able to change those words. They will always be a part of that book. And, and that's why I say it. it's, it's coming to terms with that kind of, you know, tension, I, I guess. But once you do and you, and you, and you kind of back, your, back yourself and you back your own shit, um, and you believe in yourself, you know, you, you can deliver a product that the world has resonated with. And so mm. that's, that's also the kind of the weird message, right? It's mm. like the book has got my story in it, but actually it's got very little to do with me and everything to do with you mm. and all of your listeners out there who are um, listening to us right now because we're all dealing with the same struggle, mm. which is life and how to achieve the things that we want, trying to find fulfillment and happiness and trying to overcome this fear of inner doubt and, uh, and how do you become fearless, not fearless? Mm. Um, and how do you create a difference or, a, you know, find meaning and purpose and fulfillment all in one exercise? Um, and that's a very hard thing to do. So, so yeah, that, that's pretty much what the book is about. I mean, I like to, do, to describe it as a human book for an exponential time because, you know, regardless of what's happening outside of you, ultimately it's about the operating system of your mind mm. and how you interpret the world outside of you that makes you different uh, and makes you successful and however you decide to define success for you. Awesome. So I want to, before we get into the detail of the book, I want to take it almost a step back. Who is the Matt Brown, your journey, 
how you've become this powerhouse. But also, I also want to go into that inner, that inner place. That's where the real magic happens because that's where you manifest what you're feeling. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I believe in this thing about projection. If you are not feeling good about yourself or you don't feel confident or you don't, you know, you, you're not sure if you're doing the right thing, you project that anxiety onto somebody else. And they reciprocate that and then they carry your energy and the things that you are projecting onto them. So you have to start inwards, outwards. I always like to use this analogy of the egg. If an egg cracks from the outside, it means death. If it cracks from the inside, it means life. If you want to bring life into your business, it has to start from the inside. And that's why I love the fact that you call it the inner game because that is what it's about. So let's start from the beginning. What was the thing that you inspired to be when you grew up? What, what, what were the things that captivated your attention when you were a young boy? Um, yeah, I suppose I, when I was very young, I watched my dad build successful businesses, fail a lot. Yeah, I kind of, you know, any young kid, you kind of want, you want to aspire to, to be like your role models, you know, people that you hold uh, in high regard and then ultimately that you trust with the delivery of your independence. But that changed when I became, you know, grew up and I started hating authority. And uh, my old man was quite a strict uh, disciplinarian. So when I decided to activate my fuck you motivation, uh, essentially what I was left with was two passions. One was music and the other one was business. But I knew nothing. You know, you know what do you know when you're 18? And so I moved to London and started my first uh, business there. It was a record label. Because I figured, hey, you know, if you can combine the two things, then why not uh, be, you know, livingthedream.com. And, uh, and that's what I did and started a record label, um, which did really well. Eventually, I sold that when I was 26, but then didn't really know. I thought I knew it all, essentially. But luckily, the universe is going to fix that all for me. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Karma? <laughs> yeah, basically. Showed, it showed me in a very rude way what it's like to fail. Um, <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> When I, I was 26 at the time, I mean, I, we were releasing about 120 albums a year. You know, it was right. You know, Napster came along and proved that digital distribution was actually a real thing and consumers would, uh, would actually want that kind of thing. Uh, but there were only like 20 or 30 million internet users in, in the entire world at the time. And it was dial-up modems and things like that. You know, it was expensive to produce records, you know, 500 pounds for a test pressing and then you still had to do your print run, and then you still had to, you know, it was a tough business, you know. And so the internet came, and the day that I connected to it for the first time, it really just changed the entire idea. You know, it was like, well, actually now I can deliver music to anyone direct. So that's where it started, and we created a remix network. Essentially, I would um, leverage the kind of misunderstood idea that, well, it was an old idea that you needed a record label to, re to release music. Mm. But with the internet, you didn't need to. Uh, you can actually just do it directly yourself. But most people didn't see that, but I did. And then I created a remix network. So what that would allow me to do is essentially sign the master recording rights to music from anywhere in the world for nothing. And then I would release the samples from your music. And then I would allow anyone or any other artist anywhere in the world to download that music and create a remix, essentially. So remixes were, you know, just a, a new thing. And MTV Awards released... Uh, international remix of the year award frankie <laughs> knuckles won that the godfather of house of course and um and that's kind of where it all started and so we would basically be inundated with free music we got our cost of acquisition was zero and we would release what we thought were the most commercially viable records um and we did a lot of it 
and that and you know we were a profitable business and so but I, I kind of fell out of love with the with the scene itself uh-huh. you know the late nights and DJing in clubs in Malta and stuff like this um and uh, getting up to all sorts of mischief and I, I just basically checked out I was like you know it's actually too much to manage something very profound in there because as you were talking I wrote down fail right because when, when you were talking about it, it wasn't working out for you, it wasn't really something that you wanted to do. Where, at what point do you decide in your life, like, this is, I'm not feeling this. Nah, this is not it. Or is it a fact that you fail and you don't have persistence? You know, if you look back, do you think you should have maybe continued with it? Maybe you would have been part of a bigger hype. Do, do you sometimes reflect back on, on journeys that you said no to? Um, I do, but I don't regret them. You okay. know, I think I think the big thing was I, I I was looking for more than a screaming crowd, you know, dropping house records. I mean, it was great. You felt like a god. I had a serious god complex, mm. uh, and I was very arrogant. It wasn't enough. Weirdly, you know, drags, alcohol, girls, you know, fans, money, travel. It wasn't enough in the mm. end, um, and it kind of felt like you know the club of 27, you know, when you get mm-hmm. all these famous stars and they like, they're, you know, and it kind of felt like that, not anywhere near like, you know, Kurt Cobain or anything like that, but the feelings were there. And so I was kind of looking for, for something else, you okay. know, something that was actually greater than, you know, my own kind of, you know, young egotistical kind of needs and wants, you know, uh, because actually I recognized that at the time, which is weird that it, I didn't, I'm able to articulate it now, but at the time, I had the dream and the dream wasn't actually fulfilling. Mm. And so what now I now what I preach about is actually the struggle because that's yeah. where I find fulfillment and happiness and joy and it's not about the you know the successes and and the dream at all. It's nice, mm. you know, but it's not the, it's not what's actually the truth at least in my perspective. So I was looking for something that I could do to make a difference where in other words at that point, I was motivated by things from outside of me. Yeah. And when I recognized that I was actually depressed, not really happy with what I had, there had to be something else. Uh, and thankfully, you know, I figured it out. And so I sold it uh, to get out and to find this other thing. And the other thing at the time was a company called uh, Animus Potential. And as you can connect the dots, it's a Latin word for for something I've been fucking forgotten now. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we look it up? You look, yeah, You're looking at me animus, like I, I'm it. supposed you to have got a an answer. There. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it was clever at the time. Okay, let's write animus. A N I M U S. Yeah. Sounds like a beauty product. Sorry. It should be animus. <laughs> Common mirrors <This>. animus. <laughs> She's like, what, what, is, what is it? Oh my gosh, right. Well, while you're doing that. So basically, I was 26, and what I wanted to do was inspire people and teach them how to achieve things, you know? But what I didn't realize at the time, because I was so arrogant, as I said, was that nobody wants to take advice about life from a 26-year-old. Hostility of ill feeling. No, that's not it. Motivation to do something. Yeah, motivation to do something. Uh-huh. There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. That was the thing, and, and basically, I failed properly for the first time you know i was like well then if it's not if i can't if you know it's like basically fuck you god and universe why aren't you supporting me you know i'm trying to make a mm. difference here and you know blah blah and so where i went wrong was that i i wasn't marrying the the business end with the philosophy mm. and that was there was a huge disconnect there that's what ultimately led to that business's demise and it deserved to die you know many people ask me like yeah but what have you done 
I'm like, no, but it's not about that. You know, like, I've, you know, I'm 26 years old, sold a fucking company. What have you done? And I was like, I was that kind of, you know, person. And I never saw the writing because I was in love with my own bullshit. You understand? And I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have, I wasn't plugged into any network. I was doing it all by the seat of my pants and my own willpower. Um, and so, you know, obviously you're going to fail. Mm. I don't know anyone, mm. yeah. I don't know about you, who you've interviewed, but uh, you all have a huge group of supporters to mm. get you there. You know, it's yeah. not just you on your own ever. No. And that's kind of where, you know, what I thought it was about. And so then at that point, that's when I decided to, to leave London and uh, move to France. If we fast forward a bit, how did you end up maturing, if I can put it that way? Because it's, you know, you, you obviously have to learn for a lot of failures and growing up. Obviously, if I look back at my 26-year-old self, oh, disaster, big rebel. Now you move fast forward and you look back and you go, oh my gosh, I've done all of this shit. It wasn't actually so bad actually was a good thing and it all all just that moments when you know um Stephen Johnson says chance favors the connected mind it's that moment where everything just goes ah I get it now when was that moment for you the day of my book launch really I was um I was sitting and uh, Maps Mappagnani was uh, hosting the show and uh yeah there were like 200 people there at exclusive books and I was just talking I don't know why about the book uh, answering his questions and then in a kind of a lull it just became fully clear it was and i still said if anyone listens to that particular sh episode but i still said i've finally come full circle it's four it took 14 years to come back to the ambition uh, of that 26 year old matt brown but what i had now what i have now is you know 14 years of loads of failure 14 years of plenty of success you know and the experience life experience necessary to actually talk to someone uh in such a manner that they are inspired truly by you because i think there's a lot of shit motivation out there yeah a lot of people saying stuff it's you can see it yeah and it's a very it's a very dangerous thing that because yeah i mean i was recently at a, at a training session and it was more to advance some of my, um, you know, skills that I need in what I do. And I was listening there and there were people in there doing like tapping and like like life coaching stuff, but opening up this world, but not closing it. And, and really guiding people down the wrong avenues and not giving them the full holistic view in order for them to better their lives. And when I was sitting there, I was just like, you know, it's such a dangerous thing. Um, this whole pop culture of motivational speaking and let's just teach you how to do this, the psychology and stuff. And if you're not a pro professional in that, you can guide people completely in the wrong direction. Yeah. Cause more harm. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, who do you know who to trust? You know, and so again, it, it all comes down to the story ultimately. Mm. And I suppose that's why, why I believe anyway, why the book has done so well is because of the story that underpins the whole thing. Mm. So, you know, as an example, I'm a very big subscriber to struggle and pain. Uh, I think if you're, if you're able to absorb and surrender to and accept a struggle and a pain, mm. whatever that is for you, more than the next guy or girl, mm. you will beat them, mm. hands down. For sure. It's like if you want to build a really big business, the bigger the business gets, 
right? The bigger the the Jesus, the bigger the devil. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Speaking of that, bigger business. Okay, so I so both being entrepreneurs, I think it's very important for our audiences to maybe start looking at your book and some of the lessons that you've learned in your journey as an entrepreneur, but also the lessons that you've learned from the giants um, and standing on their shoulders so that you can see further. And then how we can actually help our audience to also in their journeys to help build bigger businesses. So before we get into that, tell us what you're up to um, with your business right now. We have done amazingly well this year. Describe this year as putting the foundations in for the building that's coming next year. We figured a lot of stuff out to build a lot of our own tech. Yeah, we've gone from in 12 months, one person to 25 people. Yeah, we were investment ready. We've, you know, we're setting up all the necessary structures for scale is one part of it. But then also, you know, I'm not sure going back to what we're talking about, about the book and so forth. Um, I'm not sure I want to expand that business into America. And I'll tell you why. I, I very much believe in this idea of triangulation. So if you want to get to the truth about something, ask three people that you trust and respect and that you know won't lie to you because people won't uh, tell you your shit to your face. Mm. But a mentor will. So I've got a mentor um, who's a billionaire and I went to go see him and I said, listen, you know, I've just got my green card for America and, uh, you know, I'm thinking about going over there what should I do? And he says, well, then you shouldn't ask me that because I don't know what I'm doing. And he, sure. was, he was, yeah, he's like, he said, no one I know knows what they're doing. <laughs> they're just figuring it out. Um, and Which you've so, been doing all your life. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. You know, it's like waiting for the universe to push back and then you got to like go sideways and do it all over again, you know, but, um, but basically your triangulation is a process of saying, I have this hypothesis, which was at the time, I'm going to take this business and I'm going to expand it into America. You know I mean massive market, huge, you know, developed economy, just loads of cash. You know, we only work in the tech sector. It's just like you print money all day, dude. Mm. You know, the dream. Let's go for the dream. You know, money and the opportunity. Um, and he basically said, look, here's what I know. He says, every entrepreneur from South Africa that's gone to America has had their ass handed to them. He said, people who are smarter than you, have more money than you, bigger businesses than you have failed. What makes you think you're going to make it? Wow. Um, and he said, uh, he said, I'm only telling you this because I want you to go there with your eyes wide open and not just buying into your own in- bullshit, Inga, essentially. Yeah. Because yes, the market's bigger, but there's going to be a hundred times the competition. It's also a culture shift. I mean, it's like it's yeah. very different there than it is here. It's not to say that I'm not going to do it. It's just that I'm not prepared to say that this is what the strategy is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going there with a blank slate. And I was talking to Wissi Timbukwe about this. He's also going to New York. We're basically, funny enough, in the same situation. He's also putting up boards, extricating himself from the business so that he can go and do speaking as a full-time gig. I don't know what that is for me yet. So as an example, that book is, I wish I was selling services off that book because I'd have made a lot more money. Yeah, right? but you never know. I mean, you're just saying something very, very cool. You've come full circle with this book. 
you started the book looking at a blank page and I was saying to my husband, because you know that I'm supposed to write a book. Yeah, how's it going? <laughs> it's very, a blank page is very intimidating, let me Amazing. put it that way. And um, <laughs> Okay, uh, but um, this is exactly what you're doing again. You're facing that blank page. You're just going to have to write the pages and the chapters and just go along with it. Have you ever watched that episode? Is it the Billion Dollar Entrepreneur? I can't remember what it is. He's got this business is worth billions, right? He goes undercover, changes his name, and he gets his team to prepare a place that he can land with his helicopter. And they just give him a truck and $100. And he wants to prove that the American dream still exists, right? So they drop him in this strange town. He then has to hustle. So the first thing is survival mode. Get into survival mode. Make sure that you have enough money to co to cover the bills. And th then he goes and he looks for tires and he looks for scrap and then he sells it. But he hustles because he's exactly like us. He was this underdog and he, he didn't go to school. He dropped out of school and he made a billion dollar business. And then how he, he then starts flipping homes and then he builds up and then he opens up this restaurant and he gets evaluated for almost a million dollars or million dollars because that was what the goal was. And um, he did it in three months. Yeah, well. That's what you're going to do. Absolutely. See, I've learned enough now. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny enough, I was talking about this uh, earlier this week, but it's like you never wind up. I don't care what your market is or what your idea is. You never wind up with that. You never wind up with it. Mm. Uh, it's very rare if you do. Mm. Very rare. Mm. You know, like you must be a doctor, you know, a brain surgeon, you'll become a brain surgeon. But even the entrepreneurial space, which is about finding a gap in a market and obviously also knowing that there's a market in the gap, that's a big thing. And then figuring out, well, what is the right value proposition for that problem that you want to solve? Because the, there's so many nuances to every problem. Mm. And so you think that your perception of a problem is the truth, but I can promise you that it's not. Mm -mm. It's the same reason, going back to the triangulation thing, ask three people, I'm thinking this, what do you think? And then you do a, demo, a democratic vote in your head around which is the actual truth. Should you quit your business? Should you start another one? Should you replicate the business of digital kung fu in America? Or, or should you go there with a uh, blank slate and just figure out, well, what is the gap? Because the, you don't know. Mm. You don't know. So it's you're being an idiot. And again, you are be a, that 26-year-old Matt Brown arrogant dude who's like, I'm going to do this. Mm. You know, and it will work yeah. for sure because I'm, you know, I just back myself. Great. But that doesn't mean the market backs you, mm -hmm. you know, and so you got to figure that stuff out. As you say, it's about, you know, it's like I'm going there, but I don't know if I'm going to go left or right or stand still for a while and then, you know, leapfrog forward. You just don't know. Mm. You don't know what you don't know. And so the beauty about entrepreneurship is the but as you say it's the it's the hassle and what i would call the struggle the struggle of trying to figure that out for yourself you know as you said also like the, the culturally it's a, it's a very different thing mm. i don't know how people are going to respond to to me being south african despite the the title you know of being an author or whatever mm. what's your whole idea about business plans do you think they work no bullshit don't eh? even don't even bother like my wife changed my business three times already <laughs> Yeah, don't do it. I mean, I, I would say it's a good exercise in theoretical thinking, uh -huh. but it's never going to survive. It never will. never does. I don't know any business plan that's ever worked uh, as you've written it. But something that you, that you say in the book that's so, so true is always remember your why. Yeah. So t talk to me about why people must always know why they're doing what they're doing. 
a strong enough why or bear any how. Mm. So if you're trying to figure out the how, it's hard. Mm. Like I really am intimidated by the idea of America, you know, because of its scale, because of I don't, and because of the how much I don't know and the the massive information and knowledge chasm that I have to overcome very quickly. Also, by the way, <laughs> why did you feel you had to go to America though? Um, I lived there for two years. Mm-hmm. I write about it also in the book. Um, I was working on super yachts, um, did a lot of traveling around the Caribbean and, you know, hanging out with billionaires on the yachts and stuff, not actually, you know, w- doing it with them, but like managing these yachts and so forth and you know, docking them and all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. You get tax-free money and you see some crazy things you should never see or write about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and so and that's, I spent a lot of time there. I, act, I love America. I mean, New York's incredible. We've got clients in, in the States as well at the moment. That's another thing, you know, so we've, we've got some traction already there. So I've no doubt that it will work, I suppose. There's some little bit of doubt there, but I, you know, I do believe in, as you say, the why is strong. Mm. But I don't know the specifics and the nuances of what the business will be there. It'd be stupid to try and just copy paste. That's how mm. you fail. And also, I don't want to kill the goose that's laid the golden egg because to fund a US dollar based business in rands is suicide, guaranteed. You yeah. know, you're never going to make that work. It's never going to happen. So you have to have dollar based income from day one. And uh. so that's the only way. I mean, you know, resources are expensive. Like in Austin, Texas, where we're going, you know, when when in an interview, you're not interviewing the candidate, they're interviewing you because they've got another nine companies just like you looking for them. Sure. So how do you deal with that? Oh, amazing. That? That, that's a paradigm <laughs> shift of, Im- of immeasurable proportions because <laughs> I can hire labor at no cost here. Yeah. Zero. Like literally nothing compared to what, I mean, we're charging dollars and we're paying staff in rands. Yeah. You know, it's, it's money all day. But again, in America, it's an entirely different thing. It's entirely different. So So you're obviously feeling fear. You speak in your book about harnessing your fear. What is the the, the greatest lesson um, and who did you interview that that really shined a light on that for you? On the fear piece? Mm. Uh, Alan Reyes. So he uh, basically, it was a funny thing because when I interviewed, he's been on my show three or four times now and... uh, for very good reason. Very knowledgeable dude. Do you follow him on Twitter? Mm-mm. You totally should. Okay. Um, I will. I'll follow you. Who? You should. You should. Uh, so Elon runs uh, the biggest incubator in Africa. Uh, the most successful incubator in Africa. has incubated some 20,000 entrepreneurs. Like mm. super knowledgeable. Yeah. But he failed when he was young. Borrowed money from his mentor, who, by the way, still is his mentor today. He wanted to start a bagel shop or something Durban and um, basically it failed. People told him it would fail just like they told me Mm. at the same age, funnily enough, roughly that it would fail and he didn't believe them. It was in the wrong place, you know, blah, 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 blah. Eventually it ran out of money and failed. And when he sat down, just like you and I sitting across from each other now, he sat down in front of his mentor or his backer and said, you know, I failed. I'm sorry. Uh, if it takes the, me the rest of my life, I'll pay you back all the money. And he got up from the table and he started to leave. And then his, sure. his backer said, sit down. Wow. And he came and he sat down and he said, did I back you or did I back the business? And he said, no, you backed me. And he goes, well, yes. And he said, you haven't failed, but what you will do is fail if you leave that door when you walk out that door. Wow. When you fail in business, 
it's the business that failed, not you. And so we had the same pain of failure and we took it personally because he was invested. Like, you know, you're always invested in, in the thing that you're creating. It's like a, another child. So it's heartbreaking to even think about leaving, by the way. But businesses fail all the time. It doesn't mean that you failed, but people confuse the two. So it's like if you, if you fail at something, you're taught that it's you. You, you know, bad grades, you failed, it's all your fault. But so what? It's just a test. That's why I hate the education system as it's built today. They're very different things. So the moment you're able to detach from that, it's like, okay, so I'll go to America and let's just say I wanted to copy-paste digital kung fu into there and it failed. I'd be fine with that today. But 14 years ago, definitely not. <laughs> I would have taken that seriously personally, <laughs> and I did. And I went down and, like, and with that, I got onto the failure train and everybody gets on the failure train at some point in their lives. It's just that some never leave. Mm. That's, the, that's really the, the, you know, going back to the point around coming back full circle. It's about I got on that failure train initially for quite some time. Probably like five, It feels like it was 10 years, but it was probably more like three or four. But it took a conversation with Alan to figure that out and go, oh, yeah, that's why I did that. Mm. And here's how you deal with that. Yeah. So it's not about being fearless. So, you know, people were saying to me, oh, yeah, but you're going to America. I mean, you must be fearless to do that. Or you must, you know, writing yeah. a book, you must be fearless to do that, Carmen. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Even though there's a blank page there, you know. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's not about being fearless. It's about fearing less. There's a video I found actually um, with Elon Musk. And find, there was actually a good interviewer for once that was actually asking him some, like, reflective questions, you know. Um, and he, ex he says, I experience fear every day, but then, but the perception of him is that he's, oh, he's fearless, right? SpaceX, Mars, you know, fucking building, you know, tunnels under LA and blah, blah, blah. And Neuralink, surely he's fearless, right? He's not, he's scared. I mean, Neuralink is a, a, a product of that fear itself because of artificial intelligence. You understand? Yeah. So we all feel that we, there's no difference between Elon Musk fundamentally in terms of their potential, right? Or someone's potential of Elon Musk versus a black kid from Soweto with a dream. There's no difference. But it, the, the difference is it's the inner game, right? That makes the difference. It's about the operating system. It's about, you know, you talk about uh, persever uh, perseverance as an example or, or knowing your why or whatever the case is. Like Elon Musk is very clear about his why. We have to be a multi-planetary species because of an extinction event. Should it happen, God forbid, like it's game over. We don't have plan B. Mm. And it'd be a real shame if the human race went extinct. Yeah. Dinosaurs did. Yeah. You know? And so we know this, but no one's asked a big enough question. And that's another thing that I write about in the book is about, I don't think people, you know, give this um, enough credence to the idea of questions because they truly do govern our lives more than we care to give that serious you know equity um you know we're asking too small questions about ourselves and what we can do or we're asking the wrong question altogether you know people people like say oh knowing your why it's so cliche bro why do you write about that and it's like well then what's your fucking why yeah tell me what it is yeah and what's your book do you know what it is <laughs> yeah because actually then i then i help people understand that yeah. and you know and because it's uh, you know people say oh it's so cliche you know Failure, you know, fail forward, guys. You know, innovation, it's, it's about agile, all this stuff. Um, or, you know, Thomas Edison, 
uh, I didn't, what do you say? You didn't I just, I didn't fail. Yeah, I've just worked out. 10,000. 10, ways how not to make a light yeah. bulb. Uh, stuff like this. But it doesn't mean it's not true. You need to know. Mm. But people don't have the mechanism to figure it out. Mm. And so they just don't bother. And so what they do is that it just goes back to the status quo. And so it's reset, 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 reset over and over. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then ultimately it becomes a story about that they tell themselves about why they can't have the things that they want in their lives. And it's a fucking sham. Because I see this happening in business a lot as well. There's this whole thing about cliche flexing that I always talk about. Like seriously, like, you know, throw all the buzzwords out there. But knowing is doing. In order for you to really, truly understand what is behind it. So, yes, everybody's always been saying, always make sure that you are, you know, have a good heart and you, you're, you, you fix yourself from the inside out. Everybody says it. But when you go on the journey of actually doing it, Hell, that mindset, the well-being, and all of the, 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 the things that you need to start becoming more conscious about, um, it is not an easy process. Um, and I mean, you know my story. So there's a lot of inner healing that ha has to happen because I know that I was projecting my, my story onto other people and on other men because of how I felt about something. And that inner healing... Uh, is, is so, so important. And all of these fundamentals, value stacking is a very important thing for me. Um, I, as I'm growing and my brand is growing and my business is growing, I feel like the journey going to the top is becoming lonelier and lonelier and lonelier because the people that you're attracting around you don't want to be with you for the right reasons. There's a lot of, uh, people coming out of the woodworks that you go and you don't always know if you can trust this person or not. And my business coach actually said to me, but what is your values? Because if you had your values right, that person wouldn't actually be in your life. And when you have business opportunities that presents itself, if you know this is not what you're standing for, you shouldn't do business with that kind of organization. Those so things are so, so important. So I love that you address this also in your book. I actually try and stay away from discussions like values. So Dr. Don, John Demartini, Demartini mm. whatever, like if you watch a YouTube video, this chap, like all the world, like huge respect for him. I don't really subscribe to much of what he says, but he talks all day long about values. Um, and that's great. But in the real world, people are in pain. Mm. They're hurting. Yeah. You know, and they, we all suffer, you know, drama in our lives and much of it is negative. Like I don't have a relationship with my dad and I have to now deal with that psychodrama, you know, and um, I've had to deal with a lot of psychodrama. And the, and the difference is, is that most people choose to bury it. Mm -hmm. And because, I'll face it. Because it's too hard. Mm. So talk to me about values in the context of that. Yeah, it's, no, sure. it's like, uh, rather talk to me about the struggle and uh, what are the consequences of not doing something about it. Because the sad thing is that the older you get, the less energy you have, the less hunger you have to solve that stuff. Mm. But also to your point, I totally agree with you. Um, but I also think that you do have to have that foundation to say what you will stand for, what you will not. Because otherwise, people walk all over you and then you make the same mistake over and over and over and over. And then you get to the point where you're 60 years old and you're like, why the fuck did I do this? Why did I not do that? Or why did I not do this? I'm going to give you an example. I went to go and work on the ships 
for over four years. Before I went, I was very much involved in church. You're not going to believe this, but I wanted to become a pastor. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I adopted values that were not my own. Okay. And I wanted to to do this life, but I knew that I had to go out to make a name for myself. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have money to study. or I didn't, We didn't grow up with the means. And I remember people from the church saying to me, um, if you go and you leave, it is you are going to become the biggest sinner and you are, um, this is not the de- destination. God does not want you to go and da, 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 da. And I turned my back and I went. Congratulations. And through that, it has the, the perspective I had traveling overseas, working with 70 nationalities and really understanding people, all of a sudden, life opened up for me and curiosity took over. And I started challenging and questioning everything. But if I did not do that, who knows where I would have been today? Definitely would have been a pastor. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't <laughs> Knowing you, you definitely <laughs> would be able to. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But um, not that I'm against any, any, any religions or anything, but I had to find what sits right with me. See, that's the thing. I did that as well, by the way, uh, when I was uh, 26. And I went into – basically, it was self-help, right? So I learned about NLP and I was a qualified hypnotherapist, timeline therapist. I learned all about value oh systems and belief and value stacking and anchoring and all this crap. And it's great if you want to be a therapist, but when you but you can't be your own therapist, you know you can be your, you can try and be your own coach, but oftentimes what what is the catalyst that's going to get you to break through? And it's not talking about it necessarily. Yes, I'm not saying you know there's no place for a therapist. Everybody should have a therapist these days. Um, but what I'm saying to you is the catalyst is not the dream or the or the vision of this new person that you could be. It's like if you're fat, right, and you're standing in front of the mirror, you are fat. It's not enough to say that you're going to lose a couple of pounds. You need to fundamentally change your life. Mm. But what most people do is they stand in front of the mirror and they go, oh, you know, if I could just lose a little bit here. I think I'm here. Yeah. No, Christmas is coming, guys. <laughs> like it's the beach holiday. It's coming, you know. If we could just look a little bit better on the beach, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you get to the beach and you look around and you go, fucking hell, look at, look at that girl. Look at that guy. Look how ripped he is. I wish I had a body like this. I wish, I wish, I wish. One day when, one day when, one day when. And so you just buy into this bullshit story about why you can't have that six pack. So actually, it's about getting to a point where you've hit the bottom. Mm. really and having a real honest conversation with yourself about your about you yeah and what's truly holding you back what is actually holding you back because it is it is do you you walk around every day with a ball and chain around your ankles no okay so is there someone telling you in your ear every day that you can't be someone else like your church example as Mm. an example so what is actually stopping you? And so when you start to have real and you ask better questions and you can start to get more real with yourself, you, f- you find bandwidth. Mm. And that bandwidth you can then access to use to catalyze yourself forward. So in the case of being overweight, you got to change your life, dude. Go to CrossFit. 
Leave this abusive relationship. Start that business that you've always wanted to start. Mm-hmm. But stop fucking talking about it. You know, if you want a family, have a family. But start having the conversation with your partner who's always said that they never want children. So you make, you make the sacrifice. Nobody else. So in the end, it's only you that stops you. But then it's so easy to blame everything else and your circumstances and this and that and that. And ultimately, when you blame anything or someone, you absolve yourself entirely from responsibility. You know, and so th- that's the stuff that I'm interested in talking to people about. So I speak to, you know, kids at school because I actually feel that that book is not really the book for you as an entrepreneur. It's really a book for, it is, but it's not really, I think, I don't think it makes a lot of the stuff you would have heard before and okay, cool, I'm inspired for a week and then you forget about it. <laughs> you know? Knowing is doing. <laughs> but uh, but for, for kids who are 15, 16, 17, 18 who are under immense pressure to be something and have no idea, no North Star at all, for someone to come in there and actually to tell them, you know, this is how you do this stuff. This is how you become successful in whatever you decide to do. Uh, it's the book that I wish I was given when I was 18. Not Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which teaches you about the four quadrants of wealth creation. That's great, right? And it's true. But how do you get there? Mm. what's the bridge and it's all about the inner game so it's all about stories that I've been told on my podcast and your podcast is amazing um, so we've run out of time you and I like I think when, when we're together it's danger um, we're doing our show we're going to do before you go we're going to do a Christmas show do it. we're going to do it okay alright so we're going to do the last one we have to make it epic okay in tradition, we play a game, but before we do that, I, um, you've, you've left us with a very powerful thing. is like the power is in your hands to change your life and to, to, to really take action in doing that. And I want to understand from you, if, if there was any quote or any, any closing thought for the audience, what would it be? Um, yeah, the only thing that stops you from getting what you want is, is the story you keep telling yourself about why you can't have it. Okay. What book are you currently reading? What book am I? Traversing the Avalanche. Okay, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Is this about America? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels like. No, no it's, it's actually a book about um, the setting up, running, and uh, management of boards, okay. company boards. All right. Um, okay, so on that note... I want you guys to go on to, um, where do they find your book? At Exclusive Books, but also Amazon? Uh, yeah, it's actually free on Kindle. So if you want to go and get your hands on that. Um, the idea is to get the book into the hands of a million people. Um, but yeah, Exclusive Books, Amazon, if you want to buy it. And actually, it's, it's anywhere really. You can actually get a free copy of the ebook on my website if you go to mapbrownshow.com. Okay. Ebook, forward slash ebook. And also, I think, also buy it so that you can donate it uh, maybe to a few people that you know, youngsters leaving, going into the real world. Be a fantastic Christmas gift yeah. for university students, kids who are like inquisitive or, you know, they're just yeah. interested to learn about how you create things that matter. Yeah, and push them forward. Break the molds. Push go. the boundaries. Absolutely. Okay, all right. So, in tradition, we're going to play a game. And... Um, you have to do everything in the opposite. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and then you have to give me three answers, but it has to be opposite to what Barry Hilton says. Hello, my cousins. It's Barry Hilton here and welcome to the Carmen Murray Show. 
Have I got something lacquer to show you? I've got a game that I've invented called Smart Ask. Yes, can you be a smart ask? I'm sure you can. Most of us are smart askers. But this game, it's quite simple. It's split up into six categories. There's nine cards on each category. Every card has six questions. The dealer chooses the question. And all you have to do is answer three questions correctly to win the game. Is that easy? Uh, well, all of the answers are in multiples of three. So let's get ready to play the game. On your marks, get it. Go. Songs by Mango Groove. Uh, Groove is in the mango. <laughs> three. Three songs. Yeah, I you've got uh, Twilight, Twilight and Rivers. Okay, Christmas Carols. Um, Follow La La La. <laughs> Colors of a balls on a snooker table. Uh, ambient red. <laughs> okay, SA Batsman who scored a double century. Uh, Faf Duplessis. <laughs> and? Faf de Clack. And? Greg Smith. Okay, movies I'm starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Termination. Yeah. Um, can Only Be About Me. Yeah. And uh, Double Squat. Teddy's Hubbies. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you have to just give the opposites. Okay. It can be anything. Te- I don't know. Zodiac Signs. Stars in New that's a horrible game. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, try harder, bro. <laughs> no, but he, he, I, I do it the opposite because I don't always know if people are giving me the right answers, so I don't know. I've probably got the rules wrong. I'm a slow learner on this stuff. <laughs> anyway, guys, from our side, please go and get this book, The Inner Game. It is life-changing. It's really amazing. And um, go and listen to The Matt Brown Show. You will always be inspired. He is really an incredible guy and a great friend. Anyway, guys, have a good one. Cheers. You've been listening to The Carmen Murray Show, another solid gold podcast. Please take a moment to rate and share this episode with friends and colleagues who love customer experience and marketing just as much as you do. To connect with Carmen, visit CarmenMurray.com, where you will find links to her business services, future fit events, and biz community articles. Carmen Murray is CEO of Ouya Modern Marketing Services that empower businesses to deliver premium customer experiences, B2B, B2C, and B2B2C across all industries. Some of these services include research, CX strategy, persona development and customer journey mapping, CX audits, UX audits, and the connected marketer training in connected customer experiences, mobile, data management, and AI. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.